Well, it's a real privilege to address you. It's uh, benvenuto, benvenuto. And, uh, so, but Mike said it very well. I'm, I'm just confirming what he said. Um, I really want to thank you. This is above and beyond what I expected um, this morning, but I am so thankful to be here. A great privilege. So I want to thank your pastors, of course, Pastor Milton and Mike, uh, that I've gotten the privilege to meet. Um, and I've just enjoyed so much of, um, uh, of hearing about your body and your church uh, through Rick and Avi. Uh, that's how the relationship began, and we've enjoyed having them in Italy and, of course, are praying about the future. Uh, and, of course, um, I've also been blessed to hear about you through uh, Brad and the Lay family that we love and adore and of course, I'm actually here to correct all the bad things he said about me. Um, so I just want to make sure, maybe it might be confirmed this morning. I'm just kidding, uh, just kidding. But I, I, I love um, the lays, and just like Pastor Mike said, we serve together on the field. And uh, very thankful to be in Rome for about 25 years. Um, part of that time, uh, just as... Uh, uh, a single new believer and then married and then a part of that time was after going to seminary and coming back to be involved in pastoral training and assisting the church. Um, and uh, here for just the time of the Shepherds Conference, so in and out, Lord willing, maybe one day you can get a chance to see my family and of course even visit us in Rome. You're all welcome, just give me a heads up before you come. But uh, I'd like for you to turn to, uh, in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And for our time together, I just would like to um, encourage you um, from this passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And our passage will just uh, focus on verses 1 to 5, the beginning of chapter 3, as Paul continues in his um, discussion and uh, in his letter to the Thessalonians, uh, this church that was founded by the apostles, by the apostle and his co-laborers, Timothy and, Tite and Silas, or Silas and Timothy, and um, is all about the faith in difficult times, especially as uh, the faith grows towards the end times. And so it, it takes a very a very strong charge at the importance of uh, abiding in Christ and in our faith and strengthening the faith of the body as the days grow more difficult. And so this morning, uh, I simply come by way of reminder and uh, by way of just challenging ourselves before the Lord to care for our faith and the faith of those in the body, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, the title of the message that I gave um, based on the passage is simply this, we want to strengthen your faith. And so this morning, that's what I'm here as well through the word of God. We want to strengthen your faith. Um, we want to be strengthened in the faith. That's The faith is the theme of our passage. And and faith must be strengthened. And, and our passage will teach us um, 
that God will use trials and temptations, as you know, to strengthen it. And so it's a further confirmation of that. The, the onus, just looking at the overview of the passage before reading it and diving into it, as we look at the theme of faith and the strengthening of our faith, the onus is really on us in, in the sense that we we're called. We're called to step up, to, to prepare, to strengthen ourselves. Hence the need to have a strong faith. We need to be about the ministry of strengthening our faith so that when trials and temptations set in, uh, we don't fall prey, overwhelmed by discouragement, um, and nor are we so overwhelmed um, that we simply, uh, simply tend to walk away, walk away from the church, walk away from our fellowship in the faith, and walk away from the Lord, God forbid. And so the, the faith is the theme, and we have an opportunity to, to just to consider the character of faith and the implication of that faith, the precious faith that we've been given as a gift by God's grace through the gospel in Christ, through our faith and repentance. In fact, that is what Paul will introduce the Thessalonians to. He will remind them of that in the introduction to the epistle. He will just express his love for them and his his joy to see their faith as a, a labor of love, them enduring in the faith, and all this because they are the elect of God. God has given them this saving grace. Uh, he will talk about them as uh, a body that has received the word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, not as the word of men, but as the word of God, which it really is. And so there is, there is so much strength and God's sovereign working in this body and so much encouragement here. And yet, in the context, Paul will continue to do that, to encourage them to persevere. And so through all this, we understand and come to familiarize ourselves with just the character of this faith. Um, your faith must be strong. From this main message, then we'll, from this main point, then we'll just move to consider how God uses trials and temptations to even strengthen that, uh, strengthen the believer and strengthen the church. And so let's read our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Your faith must be strengthened and God will use trials and temptations 
to strengthen it in order to encourage you in the faith. And that is the point of our passage, to strengthen and encourage your faith so that all the body is about the ministry of encouragement and strengthening and establishing the church more and more uh, with deep roots in its faith in Christ and the gospel even more as times come uh, to more difficult days. From the end of chapter 2, just setting the context a little bit, uh, in all of chapter 3, uh, Paul just explains, he, he showers the Thessalonians with brotherly love and affection. Um, we, we see this really in our immediate context at the end of chapter 2. He just expresses, he comes to a height following all of this expression of love for the Thessalonians as they are a, 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 a body of model believers uh, a, exhibiting an exemplary faith. And he comes to a, a height or a peak at the end of chapter 2, um, simply saying, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you, Thessalonians, are our glory and joy. The, the, and so he is abundantly overwhelmed by, by the joy of the Thessalonians as they're persevering in the faith, persevering despite persecution. Um, the affection continues. And, and at this point, in, at the beginning of chapter 3, as the flow of the passage moves forward, um, it, it, simply, it simply becomes stronger, stronger. In other words, the, the, the affection is just simply more focused on them, on them. And the reason for that is that in the context, in the historical context, Paul has been abruptly removed from the Thessalonians, ministering there as we read about in Acts 17. And he and his co-laborers, uh, Silvanus and, Ty and Timothy, have been removed. They've been forced to leave because of the onset of severe persecution. And so the, the affection and the love for the Thessalonians just reaches an even greater peak um, at the beginning of chapter 3. The, the affection is defined by an affection for their faith. In other words, it's, as much as the feeling is uh, overwhelming, as much as there is much emotion in this affection, uh, in this love, it, it is really set on their faith. He loves their faith, if we could say it that way, and he is really concerned about their faith. It's, it's this feeling of being compelled by the faith. So Paul is moved by the faith and the faith of others. In other words, he, he is concerned um, for their faith, that it be strengthened. This is what he desires for them in chapter 3 in verse 8, just a little after our passage, he'll just say, uh, for now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord, chapter 3, verse 8. And so at the beginning of our passage, the immediate context coming into it, and at the end of our passage, his focus is on their faith. His joy, his excitement is over their faith, and his concern is that that faith continue to be strong and resilient. They continue to press forward. Um, 
And it's just a reminder, if you will, of our own faith, that we, we, we abide and we guard our faith. Um, I mean, this is the priority of our life in Christ. This is our new birth and new life in Christ. This is the process of our sanctification. We grow, and that becomes our main focus, life in Christ. That is our priority. And the reason this is our priority, there are so many reasons in Paul's epistles, but specifically in our passage, the reason your faith is to be strengthened, the reason you are to be abiding in it, and the reason you are to be concerned about your own faith and that of your fellow believer in Christ is because as the days move forward, trials and temptations await Trials and temptations await. The, the church and the believer, as you know and as you've experienced, as we've all experienced, first, affliction will test our faith, your faith, my faith. In verses three and four, we'll see this. And then secondly, temptations will add to those afflictions. Verse five Paul closes our passage with just a reminder that the tempter is out there tempting us. So the theme then could be, as we focus on the faith, the theme is to be steadfast, steadfast. The, the individual believer, we as believers, are called to take care of our faith, to be walking in the faith, abiding in the faith, um, and ensuring that we're ministering in a body. We are tied in to the fellowship of the saints so that all the saints are being strengthened as we are focusing on strengthening our faith. The church serves to ensure that the faith of all its members it's, is, the central, is the central focus. I mean, we, we think of just how, how our pastors serve us, the pastoral oversight and the pastoral care of the flock. Why? Because affliction assaults the faith and temptation assaults the faith. Both affliction and temptation act as, they're, they're, they're in, in the human outplaying of these, they are almost adversaries. They're almost adversaries. Adversaries to the faith and to those who want to be imitators of Christ, of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much more to be said here as we're just looking at the context because we understand that ultimately in God's divine providence, these are not adversaries. We are to guard ourselves against afflictions or against trials. In, in other words, preparing ourselves to face them. We are to guard ourselves against temptation, preparing and understanding that we will face it, but we are not to fear them nor flee in the sense that they can overwhelm us, so to speak. We're to be guarded, but at the same time, we understand from the divine point of view, God is using both trials and temptations to equip us, to strengthen us. They are instruments. In fact, as far as tribulation and trials is concerned, are concerned as far as suffering Paul speaks in verses 3 and 4 as as we'll look at our passage Paul speaks of 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 us as we heard being destined for them being destined for trials 
Paul had already prepared the Thessalonians for these trials. He uh, not only told them, but he taught them. Just have a regular teaching ministry. And so we're not to give up. We're to fight, to persevere. We're to prepare ourselves. We are to just be tenacious in that. And, and that is essentially where body life comes in, as you all, I'm sure, do well in the Lord as I look at this body. Uh, when we think of the church in Italy, we think of a body much smaller than you are, but not only in number, smaller in resources, smaller in just the health of, the, of, of body life. And so believers tend to be overwhelmed by discouragement. And yet, that is exactly what Paul tells the Thessalonians. He encourages them to go forward and to remain tied to the body, to remain tied to those fellowship relationships that strengthen ourselves uh, in the one another's and the entire body so that when trials and temptations come, we are stronger in facing them. We almost look, uh, by way of illustration, as we go through this overview of our passage, trials and temptations as, as two boxers, if you will. You're in a boxing ring with these two boxers and they will throw blows at you. They will, they will throw everything they have at you and yet through Christ and by Christ and through our faith in Christ and in, in, in our faith tied to the rest of the body of Christ, we remain steadfast. So that is Paul's logic then. So as as we, we dive into our passage, let's look then at verses one and two and just understand the importance of being strengthened in our faith, the main point of our passage. Chapter three, as you can read from the first words, especially begin, Paul begins chapter three with therefore, uh, which highlights Paul's thinking and Paul's argument from the previous passage. At the heart of the beginning of chapter 3, we have the words, notice what Paul says, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best. We thought it best. We preferred to be. We thought it best to be left behind at Athens. We preferred to be alone. Um, that's, That's essentially one of the main actions that Paul wishes to communicate to the Thessalonians. Our passage, in other words, uh, talks about the historical setting. Paul decides, along with his co-laborers, to remain behind at Athens, and they decide to send Timothy, chapter, verse 2 of chapter 3, verse 2. They remain behind at Athens, and they send Timothy. That is essentially how they express their affection and their love. In the context, Paul is, is not able to go to visit the Thessalonians, and he has a real burden for them. And so he decides to serve them by breaking away, breaking his missionary team, himself remaining behind, he and Silvanus, Silas, and sending Timothy. They send Timothy. Uh, that's, again, the historical context. They send Timothy to encourage the Thessalonians in the faith. Notice the affection again by implication. It's expressed sooner or later by action. Paul expresses his, his prayer for the Thessalonians, his desire to reach them, and then moves out in acting on their behalf. 
the action looks at not only Paul's feeling, but also his, his circumstances. He endures separation from his missionary team. Um, the missionary team is separated in order to meet the needs of the Thessalonians. Paul, in other words, having faced persecution and facing persecution himself, having uh, fled from Thessalonica, having fled from Berea as we look at Acts 17 and we look at his missionary travels, having, re having arrived at Athens according to the historical context, is under persecution himself. Um, the missionary team is his comfort. And yet Paul decides to forego his own comfort to strengthen his disciples in the faith. The motivation to send Timothy is that they can no longer wait. Notice verse 1 again. We could endure it no longer. We could endure it no longer. Not being able to, to hold out any longer just expresses this attitude of, of continual concern for others in the body of Christ. Paul, despite facing difficult circumstances himself, is not given to his own concerns, but has a burden for his brothers and sisters in the faith, for his disciples in the faith. And he, this leads him to an immediately practical solution. Paul and the others experience a pressing pressure on them. There's a crisis, in other words. They are pressed by the concern they feel and carry for the Thessalonians. The separation from the Thessalonians is unbearable. Notice the sense of communion and fellowship. How precious, how precious is the fellowship of the body. By implication, when you're removed from body life, the notion is that your faith suffers. It's heavy on you. You miss the prayers. You miss the relationships. You miss the singing together. Everything we experience on Sunday morning and yet throughout the week and through our lifetime as we walk together in Christ and through Christ. That, that is Paul's, ha Paul's heart despite the, the difference in the historical circumstances between himself and us. That is Paul's heart. He is tied to the fellowship of the saints. His concern is for the fellowship of the saints and when he's away from that fellowship, he cannot endure that. Um, it's very interesting Apostle Paul repeatedly talks about not being anxious for anything, Philippians 4. And that is true. That's Paul's heart, and that is a biblical truth. Um, and yet, in this scenario, notice how anxious he is. And that's not a contradiction in Paul's thinking. It's simply the reality that we are anxious for nothing and yet our heart's desire and pressing burden is to be with the fellowship of the saints and we will do everything even endure our own suffering so that the saints can be edified and we can be a part of that at the um, end of chapter three which again is tied to the flow of thought. Paul will say, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13, you can look at it, so that he may establish, so that God may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. That, that is essentially the point 
of the entire uh, epistle, we could say at this point, halfway through in his writing to them. And that is essentially the point of our passage this morning and God's message to us so that you may be established at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be received by Christ whether it be in glory or whether he come before that we are ready having been readied so that we may be established that that is my expression that is the height of my love for the church that is the height of my affection for my brothers and sisters in Christ fellow believers Um, that is how I care for them that is how I shepherd them and that is how I desire and want to be cared for and shepherded myself so that the concern is my faith and that I'm established I'm, I'm strengthened I'm able to endure the, 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 the strength and the longing in verse, verse 1, as we, we look at the main point of our passage, is just Paul is unable to, 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 to bear it any longer. We have the idea here of just wanting to see them. He wants to strengthen the, their, their, their hearts. The brethren in the faith require that the church requires our utmost strength and efforts you we we could say it this way you are not lazy in your brotherly love you're not lazy in your fellowship we're not lukewarm in sharing our life with one another we're not we're not procrastinators here and it is a struggle i'm with you i'm with you um so many are the principles the passage, our passage raises for us and, and requires for us. And, 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 and this fellowship will cost us, will cost us. It'll put us in, an, in, in, in often what we could say an uncomfortable position. The missionaries can no longer endure the separation from their disciples. They can no longer resist more precisely just the silence they don't hear from the Thessalonians. Um, so there's, a, there's just a lack of information that's being received, of course. Paul does not bear the silence any longer, and they send Timothy. The decision is made then to stay in Athens, to stay alone. Here, the plan is put into action. Again, verses 1 and 2, they decide not to wait any longer. There's a lot of history here, like I said, but they decide that Timothy has to go. The team has to risk um, just their own situation and Timothy has to go. The times call for difficult, difficult times themselves, difficult decisions. Um, you just remember Paul's heart again in difficult circumstances. Remember in, in 2 Corinthians 11, just to give you more of Paul's heart in these initial two verses and what brings the missionaries to help the Thessalonians. Remember in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul will describe his mission for Christ and for the spread of the gospel of Christ according to the repeated expression, in danger, in danger, Um, in danger of death, in danger on the rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own countrymen, 
in danger from foreigners, in danger in the cities, in danger in the deserts, in danger on the sea, in danger amongst false brethren. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 27. Again, just tying it in to his heart at the beginning of our passage and his desire to strengthen their faith. It comes from his own abiding in Christ and his own striving for Christ and his own persecutions. Uh, this is not a person that you look to and say, you know, Paul, we're doing it. Why don't you do it? <laughs> no, I mean, he is just striving and an example at that, and yet he himself, as he strives, is, is beset by so many trials and temptations himself. At the end of 2 Corinthians 11, you'll recall he'll say, um, after all this, he is beset with the daily cares that come to me, Paul says, the daily cares that come to me from all of the churches. Persecution pursued Paul fiercely, humanly. Humanly, he recognizes himself because in 2 Corinthians 12, following that, he will say, he will talk about his thorn in the flesh, and he will say, who is weak without my not knowing what weakness is. He was a weak man, and yet he had no concern in that sense for himself, and neither did his trials and temptations stop him, prevent him from simply throwing in the towel and caring for himself rather than for the body. You just imagine here what Paul, how the Thessalonians would have ended up. And I know this is obviously looking back and God's divine providence has another story. But just think if Paul would say to Silas and Timothy, um, it's too hard. There are so many risks out there. Let's just stay here and protect ourselves. Where would the Thessalonians be? I'm sure God would have blessed them and cared for them some other way. But Paul definitely and his fellow missionaries would have just missed out on all the labor of joy and the blessings that come and the growth in his own faith. Do you remember he'll say to the Romans whom he never met, he'll say to the Romans chapter one, verse 11, I long to see you to add to your faith. I mean, that, that is the heart of our passage as our passage begins um, through the trials Paul continues to serve to spread the faith he, he chooses to continue to suffer for the purpose of sending instead relief to the Thessalonians thus choosing to interrupt his own fellowship and and comfort in the faith with Timothy especially Therefore, the, just the, the historical setting here that, that just resides in the passage in the background just heightens the decision for them to stand alone and send Timothy. It is a courageous faith. And that is what strengthens the faith. It's, it's a courageous faith. It's the courage to act. This is what is behind the term we decided to send Timothy we thought it best to send Timothy. The, the preference, the thought here speaks of sacrifice. In the area of faith, as far as faith is concerned, growth in the faith, faith there, is no, there is no 
serving without cost for you personally. There is no growth without effort, without the courage to step out in faith and to comfort someone else, even being vulnerable in that relationship. Perhaps the other person will not be comforted will not want to be comforted. And so we even risk the rejection and yet we're called to step out because of the call to be strengthened in our faith and to strengthen the faith. So Timothy is then sent. We, we don't know exactly all the details of Timothy's sending, verse two, as we continue to focus in on the main point of being strengthened in the faith. Um, but notice Timothy's credentials as he sent as Paul continues verse 2 notice his credentials Timothy is a fellow he is a brother and God's fellow worker remember what Paul will say to the to the Philippians Um, he he sends Timothy and Paul will say he Paul can't visit but he sends Timothy and Paul will talk about Timothy Timothy is Uh, his like-minded disciple. There is no one else like Timothy whose concern above all, above and beyond all, is Christ and the saints in Christ. Um, You'll tell the Corinthians, now if Timothy comes, watch that he stands among you without fear for he works in the work of the Lord as also I do. Timothy is a model. Timothy is actually the model of what what Paul means when he talks about being strengthened in the faith. And so his sending to them is, is just the representation of that strengthening. Be like Timothy, he could say. Be like Timothy. The emphasis is on Timothy's service and on his character, the character of his faith. He's, uh, this is more than just a deacon, in Timothy's description as a fellow worker. That is part of the term, but the description, the, the term talks about, talks about Timothy as a, a leader in building up the church. All servants, all of Christ's servants, all of God's, all of, of, of Christ's servants are God's co-workers in edifying the church. That is my goal. Regardless of whatever role or official position I have in the church, that does not make a difference in the ultimate sense. The, my, my function in the body is to be a co-labor, God's co-labor in edifying and building the body. So from, from these from this initial beginning to strengthen and encourage the faith, then Paul moves forward in our passage to really talk about how that faith is strengthened and why it needs to be strengthened. Notice, just as we move forward, strengthening and encouraging these two terms that Paul uses as as the main point. What does strengthening mean? Uh, it, it, talks about, it talks about fortifying, we could say. It talks about fixing. It talks about hel- helping someone stand firm. It talks about solidifying. You know, you, you have all these synonyms. Um, the big idea is helping someone not fall back. 
we seek to perfect, we seek to mature our neighbor's faith in the manner that we, we, we fasten ourselves to him. You know, it's, it's almost, it's got this military imagery. No one's left behind. We leave no one behind in the church nor in the faith. And, and, and this becomes even stronger in the wake of persecution, in the wake of trials. What is, in a sense, what does the trial do to someone's faith and someone's walk of faith? The trial will immediately discourage someone or will cause someone out of fear for the trial to fall back. And that is a normal reaction And yet that is where the faith comes in and the priority of our faith. And this is where the rest of the body focuses in on strengthening, strengthening. The believer's faith tends to weaken in the face of trials and persecutions. The the idea here is just our responsibility. The, The Lord is sovereign and has given us that faith and we are to to put it into action. And so we have this strong body life going into action to strengthen the other person so that they they don't fall behind. They're not left behind. Uh, They continue to stand firm. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul, in 2 Thessalonians 2.17, Paul will speak of this. Paul will exhort the Thessalonians uh, telling them to comfort your hearts and confirm you, Paul's desire to comfort their hearts and confirm them in every good work and every good word. Again, in chapter three, verse three, he'll say, but the Lord is faithful, 2 Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful and he will make you steadfast and guard you from the evil one. Again, notice how we haven't even gotten into it and yet notice how trials and temptations move together the trial will then move into the temptation and the evil one the tempter the devil paul says will use the trial to overwhelm us as as if he could so we have a a process then and we have an urgency to confirm one another in the faith in the wake of that. Notice the second term, encourage. The second term, encourage, speaks of of, uh, a confirmation, confirming someone, sort of coming alongside and comforting someone. We are strengthening, we're holding them, and at the same time, we are consoling them, we're encouraging them, we're picking them up. We're not letting them fall behind, and yet we're coming alongside and walking with them. It's not enough to just pat them on the back. Come on, you'll make it, you'll make it. It's, it's really just getting into the race and picking up the athlete and running with him. How rarely do we see that? So the idea talks about supporting someone, walking with them. And that eventually leads to our two motives for doing this, the urgency in doing this. Verses 1 and 2 then move into verses 3, 4, and 5. Verses 3 and 4, we notice the emphasis on the trials, the afflictions. And verse 5, Paul will close our passage with the emphasis on the temptation. 
Very interesting. Notice verses 3, 4, and 5. The number of times Paul will speak about or will use the words, you know, you know. Verse 3, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. Um, There's just an understanding here that the more you live life in the body and in the faith, you know these things. There's already a resolve within you by God's grace and through the teaching of the word and the fellowship of the saints, you are already being built up and prepared, perfecting yourself and the body to know these things, to be ready for trials and temptations that are simply a part of your entire Christian life. And the point of our passage is simply that they will become stronger and stronger as Our Christian life goes forward just because of the nature of our days as as we just look at how Paul sets before the Thessalonians sort of an eschatological perspective. Christ is coming back. And by virtue of that, wickedness will get more wicked. And so holiness needs to get more holy as, as we heard so wonderfully even in our communion service this morning. Um. The emphasis at the beginning of verse three then will focus on the purpose that already set before Timothy. The purpose, this is the reason why Timothy is sent historically. This is why he comes to them. This is the measure of Timothy's work. By the way, Timothy will come back with good news. Timothy will come back with good news. Verse six Beyond our passage this morning, Paul will say, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought good news of your faith and love. In other words, this charges Paul up. Regardless of the temptations, regardless of the trials, trials and temptations, what charges us up to move forward in the faith is the news that the body is strong and growing. When you face a trial, and you come through the trial standing firm, everyone is encouraged. Everyone. It is unbelievable encouragement and strength. More than words or sermons could ever do. We understand the importance of words and sermons. So the Timothy's ministry then, as we look at verse 3 and move quickly into it, is to assist the Thessalonians before trials to help them have this perspective that they remain steadfast, that they have uh, a confidence before the onslaught of their affliction so that no one would be shaken, verse 3. It is about people being shaken by the affliction. That is what the affliction wants to do. That is ultimately what the affliction will do. It will shake us, shake our faith. The believer is shaken, his heart is anxious. It includes the idea of deception. The the trial becomes bigger than God, as you know. It leads to just agitation and, and just worry. The affliction shakes, of course, because behind it is the temptation. Behind the affliction is 
is the temptation. And we, as we look at verse 5 in conclusion this morning, the tempter who First Peter will say goes around seeking who to devour is looking for this kind, this kind of trial. He will take advantage of this kind of trial in attempting to, there's a strong focus here in verse five on the tempter tempting, tempter tempting, just an emphasis on, on the strength this temptation will come to us we understand that no believer can ultimately fall. And yet, the trial and temptation will shake us. Be prepared. Be prepared. Do not, do not be lazy in this. Do not sleep and nor be dormant. But be prepared in understanding who you are in the faith and what the Lord does to strengthen the faith and how the world seeks to attack your faith. May the Lord strengthen our faith and give us this steadfastness and give us this resolve so that the focus this morning is not only on our own faith, but the focus is on understanding how our faith is tied to the fellowship of the faith. There is no distinction in other words. It is like a, a web Every piece counts, every body counts, and everyone strives together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning and just for the word of encouragement and yet the admonishment present here, Lord, to have a heart and a spirit and a walk that is steadfast. May you give us this evermore. Give us this walk, Lord, completely dependent upon you, knowing that the strength comes from you and from your word and the fellowship of the saints. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.